What's going on, everybody? It's Cooper and James, and we are from the back pins. James, how are you doing on this Tuesday morning? Oh, I'm hanging in there, to be honest with you, man. I'm feeling better physically than I have in a year and a half in the last week. So I think the stem cells and all the different therapies and things that I'm doing is really making a difference. So before we start this podcast, I would personally like to thank everybody in the in the rodeo world full business that has helped me and Mr. Gene Baker and a whole bunch of list of people. I'm sure I'll leave some people out, but everybody that's bought t-shirts and helped me in any way that hears this, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome to hear. I'm glad you're starting to feel better. No doubt about it. Pretty busy weekend of bull riding for the PBR. They had two velocity tour events and then they had the UTB tour in Kansas City, Missouri. We've got a lot to talk about. It's going to be another big weekend. They're going to Albuquerque, New Mexico, the pit. That's a bigger event. That's one where the, the atmosphere really shows out in that building. It's a, it's a small little compact building, but but those fans in Albuquerque get behind it. It's, it's a good weekend. I know that's one of your personal favorite events, James. Why is that? What makes Albuquerque so special to you? It's just one of the older events. I'm, not, I'm sure there's a couple of older events that are still on tour that they go to. But it's one of the older ones that I can remember growing up watching that's still around because they haven't changed the schedule. And you add a name like Ty Murray to it, and the pit's so small. Used to, it was the Tingley Coliseum. And I remember Mike White won it three years in a row one time. And, and I was just thinking, hey, he's tingling in the Tingley Coliseum. So kind of wild, man. It's part of my childhood. Heck yeah, it's an event that's been around for a long time, and I can tell you they usually bring the bull power. So let's quit messing around. Let's get right into it. Grab them slides, boys, because we're coming at you from the back pins. So to start, we'll talk about our little short velocity tour minute. Adriano Salgado wins Fresno, California. 101 and a half on two head. And no, that is not a misread. That is not a misread. That is what his two bull point total was. He earned 37 world points. James, I know you texted me about this over the weekend. Why don't you tell everyone how Adriano Salgado wound up with 101 and a half points on two bulls? Well, I didn't. I missed part of the second round, but I caught the short round, but I did watch the entire first round. He kept an 18 and a half. Now, I've never even seen an 18 and a half, so I don't even know how you would even be marked that low. But I guess the name of the game was to just get his board rolled and hope he won something. But I definitely would have took a rewrite in that situation. But, but before we get off of this subject, I do want to bring up something that I think is worth mentioning. Amadou Campo Silva, they honored him at the beginning of it and uh that was one of adriano salgado's i guess best friends and he wanted to go in there and honor him by winning it he did it which is an awesome thing and that stood out to me a lot more than just the bull riding nobody covered the bull in the short round so he had it won before he ever got on the short round bull and it's going to be good to see him back on tour yeah, absolutely. That's always good for somebody to honor a friend that, that went down or passed away 
doing the sport that he loved. I mean, it's a serious deal what these guys do. It's a serious game they play, and we're lucky we don't get more of those incidences where they're truly either life-ending or life-altering, but at the end of the day, it is a serious game these guys play. Paulo Lima, he won the other lossy tour event of the weekend in Wheeling, West Virginia, 257.5 on three head. He earns 41 world points. Paulo Lima is no uh, stranger to the game. He's been around for a long time. Not surprised by that. Are you, James? Not at all. He won last year. Iron Cowboy. That doesn't surprise, that surprise me, but for him to be that consistent doesn't surprise me. I think Lucas Davino ended up second, and good to see him getting the train back on the track. Yeah, and the Velocity Tour's got a little bit of a lighter weekend this weekend. They've got a one-day event in Oakland, California, and that's it. So not a ton of opportunities for those guys to go get points, but there is an opportunity to go get yourself on tour, no doubt about it. But let's move into the Kansas City UTB. So it was it was a pretty good, pretty good weekend of bull riding. They rode quite a few bulls, especially for a classic event. I don't know how many they rode. What did they ride, like 18 on Friday night, James, you counted? They rode 18, and my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> typically, they might ride 6, they might ride 8, they might ride 10. Is what, what you usually expect with an ABBI Classic night, just because of the bull pilot. And for those guys to step up the way they have, it's no wonder the, the top guys' riding percentages are so high. Yeah, those riding percentages are really high this year. Like, if you're in the top 10, you're riding basically at like right around 50%, which normally you see more like your world champion type ride that kind of number. So they're definitely riding a lot of bulls. And it wasn't like the bulls had off days. If you come down and look at the bull scores, there was multiple 44 plus point bull scores out of those classic bulls. And the pages actually had two of them that got marked 45 and three quarters. That's outstanding. It's not like they rode a bunch of weak spinners. They rode, they showed up, and they put it on some rank ones. So that's good to see from those guys. And the guy that stood at the top of the heap, he moved back into the number one position in the world standings, JRV, 267 and three quarters on three head. Joao earned 134 and a half world points. Uh, just a solid weekend for Joao. Business-like. I thought he picked a bull that fit him in the short round, capitalized on it, and he wins the event. James, what do you think of Joao's weekend? It's about time. Like like I said in, a, in an earlier podcast, every everybody, whether you start week one at the at the top of spot or or whatever, everybody's got peaks and valleys throughout a season. And he had a peak, and then he hit a valley, and now he might be hitting a peak again. As we head into one of the, what I consider to be a major, in my own mind, was they officially make it a major, the primary invitational because of the awards they give out and some of those things like that. And just the prestige of winning something with Tyler's name attached to it is a cool deal. Yeah, for sure. I know a lot of guys really like this bull riding. It's a nightmare to set up. I will tell you that for free. Like it, it's a logistical nightmare. So keep keep all those PBR employees and arena crew guys and all that in, in your thoughts this week. Cause this one is really tough. So if you don't know, they come down to like a 300 foot ramp, every bull, and they got to go back up it. This building's not made for bull riding, but it creates a really unique atmosphere for bull riding. And it's definitely something fun to watch. 
They get into it down there like we touched on earlier. So if I had to guess, I think these guys are really going to come out swinging this weekend. The, the atmosphere in there, I expect to see some fireworks, no doubt about it. But James, you've been really high on this guy the last few weeks, and, and rightfully so. He's been getting it done at a pretty high level. In second place, your American winner, Kaike Pacheco, 260 and a half points on three head. Kaike earned 89 world points, and he's really starting to, to shoot up those world standings as well, James. The ice man's not the ice man anymore. He's getting so hot, he's melting. Uh, the reason they call him that is because nothing faded him. And I don't think he was ever worried about slumps or anything like that. He just rode his way out of it. It'd be easy for a guy to set it home with $1 million in the bank, but he's after a gold buckle. Yeah, and Kaike, I thought, picked a bull that fit him really well and chiseled from the Page family. And, you know, the bull didn't have his best day. Obviously, if you look at what he got marked, I think he only got marked 42 and a half, but the bull did exactly what Kaike is strongest at. Kaike is better into his hand than away from his hand, but he can still ride him going the other way. I thought he picked a bull that fit him, gave him a chance to win. Just JRV just kind of edged him out. That's just how it goes. But I thought it was a really good weekend for Kaike. Moving on to the third place finisher, Fast Eddie, Eduardo Parasidu comes in in third 178 and three quarters on two head. Eduardo earned 76 and a half world points. And Eduardo is a guy, he was only coming into the short round on one bull. And he ended up getting a re-ride and he got a good one out of the re-ride pen in Mike's motive and he made it count. He uh, capitalized on it for 91 points. Pretty good weekend for Eduardo, James. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that's another guy that's heating up that was riding so terrible earlier in this year. They cut him and he had to go back down to the Velocity Tours and now look at him. And that is exactly why I think you should take every re-ride you get an opportunity to take. Yeah, he didn't have a choice because he'd only came in on one, but before he finished. He didn't get a score on his first one. So, like you said, he didn't have a choice, but they're loading these re-ride pens up with a bunch of good ones. I mean, these are bulls guys can be anywhere from 88 to 90 plus on them consistently, they're ones guys should want to get on. So I tend to agree with you on on that topic, James. Moving on to your fourth place finisher, Kyler Oliver, 177 and a quarter on two head. Kyler earned 62 and a half world points. And he came in pretty, pretty high in the draft. He had the number one pick and he chose riding solo for the second week in a row. Didn't work out for him this week, but I don't hate the pick. He's going for it every week. He wants to be a bunch of points, and I cannot fault the guy for doing that. In your opinion, based on what you've seen, Coop, do you think Riding Solo had that bad of a trip What they marked him? In my personal opinion, I didn't think he had a 44.5-point trip. I thought they could have marked him a little better, but that's just a that's a judgment call. That's flip a coin, so that's not my job to do that. That's the judge's job. Yeah, you're splitting hairs at that point. Um, Obviously, it matters when you're talking bull of the year type stuff, but riding solo is just consistent. Like, he doesn't have like any days where you're like, gosh, like that was terrible. Like, he doesn't really do that. He has some days where he's like 46 plus, but he's going to be consistently right around 45 every time. And I think for a bull rider, that's what you want. You know, if you ride him, you're going to be over 90. Yeah, absolutely. And 
And I was a little bit surprised to see Kyler Oliver pick that bull, to be honest with you. I thought Big Black would have been a better pick just because you need to win the event. Not that he couldn't have won it on riding solo. Not that he can't ride that bull. I just think that's kind of like picking RuPaul, you know, when he's in there. you got to pick Big Black when you have the opportunity, I think. I think Big Black is just one of them bulls people on paper expect all the left-handed riders to ride. And and really, that's proven to be not really the case this year. You know, he's bucked off some pretty high-end left-handed guys when it mattered. I mean, you look, he bucked off Jose last, like a month ago. Chase Doherty, we'll get into him since we're talking about Big Black. He picked Big Black. Chase finished in fifth. Same point total as Kyler, but he only earned 52 and a half world points. Chase picked him with the second pick in the draft, and he bucked off him. Big Black was only marked 43 and three quarters. You know, he's not a gimme. He should fit those guys that are left-handed guys that at that level, no doubt about it. But he's gotten a lot of guys on the ground this year that I thought would ride that bull. So I don't know if he's necessarily riding like a Cadillac like he used to. There might be more to him now that he's gotten a little more age on him. Oh, absolutely. And there are no good news in any short town. So don't anybody misconstrue bad. That I just thought on paper, looking at it, that that might have fit Kyler a little better than riding solo. But he don't already rode him last week. So who am I to judge? He went for it. He can look himself in the mirror and smile about it and go on to the next one. One thing I definitely do want to bring up as far as other guys in the short round, I was pretty surprised that Derek Colbaba picked Liston. Like Derek didn't have a bad pick. He had the fifth pick and he picked a bull that generally goes last two picks. So I was really shocked by that because Liston's not one that guys are jumping up and down to get on. But I think that shows you where Derek Colbaba's head is at is obviously if you're not confident, you're not going to pick that bull. So it tells me that Derek is feeling himself. He's feeling good mentally. I don't know how he's going to feel physically because he didn't take his re-ride on Liston. So that's something to monitor coming into this week. But I like where Derek's head's at as far as going in there and picking one that most guys are going to run, not run away from, but they're going to avoid unless they have to. That bull really got my attention when he broke Sage Kimsey off at the American qualifiers or whatever you call that in Fort Worth, you don't do that to a seven-time world champion in the PRCA or anywhere at that level of Paige Kimsey's riding, usually, and he did it handily. So hats off to Derek Colbala for, for picking that bull and giving it everything he had. And unfortunately, he, he got offered a re-ride and he wasn't able to take it. It was a really weird sequence. So Dalen Swearingen was right before him. And essentially, pretty comparable things happened as far as what the bull did or how much the bull hit themselves coming out of there. They did not give Dalen a re-ride, but they did give Derek a re-ride, and they were about the same. And we've said this before, judges have one of the hardest jobs in the rodeo industry. It is it is tough to do their job. They're never going to make everybody happy. But what did you think of that? I was disappointed. To be honest, and I'm not trying to pick on the judges or anything like that because I don't want to be in their shoes. I don't want to have their job. That's the hardest job in, in the industry, I think, other than being a rider and trying to ride a bull or whatever you're doing in, in, in the sport. But 
one back-to-back like that or pretty close to back-to-back. I'm not exactly sure the order they were in. I don't remember. Even they said that on the broadcast. If you're going to give one guy a re-ride for the exact same thing, you should give another one a re-ride for the exact same thing. I don't care if they give a re-ride to everybody as long as they're all doing the exact same thing and, and they're even consistent with whatever they do. Yeah, and I think that's where most people are at with it. You're not going to hear a lot of complaining about judges as long as it's consistent across the board. And I think the hardest part about that whole sequence from what I've seen is I've seen them give rewrites for a lot less. We're not talking bad about them or anything like that. That job is something I don't desire, but it is a little tricky when you're going to give one guy one for something that looked awful similar. And maybe it comes down to, we just didn't have the right angle on it. I'm not going to say that we did, but they sure looked pretty similar to me. And and it was too bad that Dalen didn't get an opportunity at another one. Moving on to this coming week though, like we've touched on it's Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's going to be a really, really tough event on the world's best bull riders. If you're in the top 15, you're going to get on six bulls if you want to win this event. There's two 15-15 bucking battles this weekend. That's a lot of bulls, a lot of high-quality bulls, James. Do you like the format they're doing, or would you rather see them maybe try to only do one 15-15 bucking battle? If you want my honest opinion, I would just the same one take the 15-15 bucking battle out of the equation and just make it a major if we're going to make them get on that many bulls anyway. I'm a little shocked that they're doing this. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of thought on your thought track that if they were going to make it a standout one, why not just make it a, a major for everybody's sake? But then maybe they're already narrowing down that title race. Who knows? I mean, or I think what it does lend itself to is health is going to be a big deal this weekend. They're going to be getting on a lot of bulls. If guys are banged up going into that deal, it could be hard for them to make it through it. But I think that'll take us into our Rank Ride Fantasy portion of this podcast today. And we're going to have a special guest on, the guy who started it all, Bonner Bolton. James, I know you're excited about it, and I am too. But we're going to be able to kind of pick his brain on kind of where the idea of Rank Ride came from and and what he thinks it can provide to the sport, James. I think he's a lot like Cord McCoy uh, in the fact that we could have three or four hours of interview of interviews worth of stuff with this guy just because, you know, I've been around him for years and I know him on a personal level before before Rank Ride ever existed. So it's it's there's so much other stuff we could talk about, but of course We'll touch on a little bit of that stuff, but really looking forward to diving into the rank ride deal and, and seeing how it got started and why it got started. I have a pretty good idea, but we'll let him talk about all that stuff whenever we get the opportunity, which is will be today. Yeah, I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to learn kind of where the rank ride came from. I kind of have an idea too, but like you said, it'll be good for everybody to kind of hear he has perspective on rank ride, and I'm excited about it for sure. So without further ado, let's get into that. Rank Ride Fantasy Bull Riding is free to play in 2022. Make your picks for PBR riders and bulls and get in on the action. The year-end champion will receive a VIP trip for two to PBR World Finals in Fort Worth, Texas, and a custom Rank Ride bragging rights buckle. Follow Rank Ride Facebook 
And keep up with great giveaways on the Rank Ride Fantasy Instagram page. Rank Ride Fantasy, your connection to the Western lifestyle you love. Sign up to play free at rankridefantasy.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, James and Cooper here, and we're um, blessed to be joined by uh, one of my really good friends that I've known for over a decade, uh, the one and only Bonner Blue Bolton, who uh, is starting, uh, has uh, created Rank Ride and a whole bunch of other things. But before we get to that, Bonner, um, and some of the other stuff that I've seen on you as far as the gauge, which everybody should check out the gauge too. They do an awesome job and they've got a lot of good stuff. But as far as like the stuff that I've heard, um, I know that your dad was a bull rider at one point in time. And was that exactly what, was that what motivated you yourself to be a bull rider just because you looked up to your dad or did, was it something that yeah. you said you got to do this because I did it? Yeah. So I'll back up a little bit. I, I grew up in Odessa, Texas, out in way out in West Texas, kind of close to El Paso. And I grew up on a big ranch out there. And my mom's side of the family is all ranchers, and that ranch has been around since 1903. So I grew up horseback, being a cowboy, and used to watch my dad's old videos and look at his pictures on the wall, and that's where they messed up right there. That's <laughs> that's when it all got started. When me and my brother used to jump on each other's backs in the living room and buck around on the trampoline and we'd ride anything that moved the goats in the goat pen calf in the calf pen used to get on calves in the Brandon pen. We'd pick up dad's old suitcase, pull them out of the closet and get that handle suitcase back when there used to be handle suitcases. If you remember that. And, oh yeah. And we just jump around, buck around on that suitcase. <laughs> so to answer your question directly, yes, my dad is the major, major reason. And I think it just, we were born with it. Like, I think even before that, like just riding horses or anything, we just loved riding growing up. So that's one interesting thing. You bring up horses because I think there's a direct correlation between time on horseback and success riding bulls. Would you agree with that, Bonner? Oh, a hundred percent. Excuse me. I'm uh, smoking a cigar right now, but yeah, I, I believe riding horseback is one of the best things for anybody to try to beat around a horse or there's a saying, uh, I believe Woodrow Wilson or one of those, those great men back then said, uh, there's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. And or I think maybe Ronald Reagan said that at one point, maybe he quoted somebody else, but that's a true statement. I, I can vouch for that growing up, like being around horses, being horseback taught me more than anything else I've ever learned about myself and about being a cowboy and just being a good person in general. When you start to understand a, a horse, you begin to understand humans better too, I think. And just the movement and everything, you're you're having to feel what that horse is doing underneath you without really seeing it. And that's pretty much what bull riding is at the end of the day. Absolutely. But yeah, so growing up being horseback riding, the cowboy lifestyle I've always been a part of. But that's did it. you ever try anything different besides bull riding? I know your brother at one point was a saddle bronc rider. 
Um, that's a good question. I did try saddle bronc riding, and that's a good story too because I tried it twice in college, and uh, I thought watching my brother in high school and college, you know, damn, that looks cool. I, I'm going to try that, <laughs> and, and he made it look easy. My brother's a really talented bronc rider. Uh, shout out to my brother Brody, and he is one of the most renowned uh, custom leather craftsmen out there in, in the u.s so anybody that wants a good custom leather product check out 3b leather on instagram so brody yeah he's always been one of my heroes and in college i tried to jump on a couple bronx in the college practice pin and the first time i got on the lowest horse in the picking order you know probably the, the least uh difficult horse to ride and they called him Technicolor. He was a big brown and white paint horse, big old fat, just sorry, son of a bitch. And, uh, he uh, was a lot of fun, though. They put all the beginners on him, and I rode him pretty well. I rode him with the same hand I ride bulls with, and that was my right hand. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to do this. And I felt too much like I was kind of riding bull. So the next time I switched hands, I got him rode, and, and he didn't do much. So that felt too easy. So the next time I picked the best horse in the pen and <laughs> I went ahead and picked a wolf boy and wolf boy was for back then. I mean, all those college guys, I think would have kind of equivalented him to a 85, 87 point horse at a pro rodeo. Like, yeah. And, uh, gosh, dang, I switched hands. I said, hell, I'm going to ride with my horseback riding hand. I'm going to go left hand this time. <laughs> and build up my left hand, my left arm. And so I switched hands. And I mean, he stood me up in my stirrups the second jump, and piled me up on my head so hard out there. Felt like somebody took a Louisville slugger to my head. And I said, y'all can have this shit. It's, <laughs> it's a lot further to the ground off these horses. <laughs> so has that yeah. always been your personality, though? Kind of just jump on off into the deep end. Like, let's see if we're going to sink or swim here. I honestly, I think so, because that's kind of how dad started us out. I mean, he, he let us get on some pretty rank shit over our head from the word go. And I think that, and when we started riding bulls, me and my brother, my brother also rode bulls too and rode really good. He was probably more naturally talented than me, to be honest with you. And, um, I really wasn't that naturally talented. I had to work really hard at it, but I just loved it so much. And my dad really had a big part to do in how me and Brody learned, you know, he, my dad rode pretty good and really taught us the basics, uh, starting out, made us really practice a lot on the barrel and learn and understand our mechanics and workout regimen and routine and built that drive into us even before he let us start competing, you know, and I've really seen that express itself in rocker steiner and sid steiner the way the steiner family has trained their offspring <laughs> i was gonna say that they they've got a good bloodline going over there but also a good mindset and, and just overall philosophy on life they're champions for men and uh just good living all together and really try to showcase that in their lifestyle and how they treat people and, and live their life and it shows you know and they're just champions in life more than the arena and I've, I've learned a lot from those guys but my dad was sort of that same way but 
threw me and Brody off out there in the competition and in the deep end in the practice pin right off the bat to see if we wanted it that bad, yeah. you know, and I think really test us. And, and we did. We got wrecked out a lot, but kept getting back up and getting back after it and uh, just loved it and took off from there. And uh, everybody kind of knows, I'm sure, that's listening to this podcast, kind of my professional career and what led me to today. And I'm, you know, breaking my neck six years ago, being on PBR tour, thankful to have some good success there and some other places in pro rodeo and CBR. But yeah, I, I'm really excited to uh, talk about the rank ride part of this Oh, absolutely. Episode. But before we get to that, if you don't mind, knowing knowing what you'd known when you were a kid and what you've learned, if some kid uh, showed up at a practice pen somewhere that's never been on, that you were around, what advice would you give them? Learn as much as you can from the best teachers you can all the time and never quit till the day you quit. And, and if you're not learning at bull riding, keep that same mindset towards whatever you move on to in life because that's what we're made to do. That's how we're designed as humans is to learn and understand and grow from our experience and, you know, adapt. Uh, some of the best advice I ever heard was Chase Outlaw's grandpa, Sam. He looked like Yosemite Sam from the <laughs> Arkansas Hills. He's a, hey, uh, back off these Arkansas folks now. Yeah, I, yeah no offense. That's uh, Chase Outlaw is one of my best friends in the world. And my brother, I love him to death and his family. And they've taught me some of the most valuable lessons in my life, I, I can say. And uh, this is one of them. His grandpa told me one time, and I quote, in order to be successful in life, you have to learn how to improvise, adapt, and overcome, you know, and that that is truly the recipe for success. I've learned in and out and tried to do it all kinds of ways, and that's the most, you know, bulletproof, sure enough, way to grow and get better in life is to improvise, adapt, and overcome, and and try to learn and get hands-on with whatever you're doing. Heck yeah, man. That is really good advice there for anybody, in, no matter what walk of life. You can plan stuff out all you want at the end of the day. A power greater than us has a lot to do with what happens down the road. So I think that's really awesome advice for anybody. Yes, sir. Lean into what you're passionate about and don't be afraid to go after it and know that if you focus 110% all the way on that thing and really remain committed and true to yourself, true to your lifestyle, true to your choices, true to your spirit as a human. That's the power that overcomes all those challenges, all those obstacles that Always. helps you get that laser focus on whatever it is you're doing and be able to like penetrate any goal and objective in life. I always say winning's between your ears and you just exactly proved it. And you're still proving it today with the... And that doesn't come without a lot of... Let me go ahead and say the other side of that is someone who's seen a lot of failure in life and who has more than failed so many times at several different aspects of life and have learned to see life through the lens of a, a loser too, you know, and understand a lot of the wrong choices you can make in life and... We wouldn't know what success is without failure, though, you know, and 
it's it's good to know that it's okay to fail and that you're going to a lot on the way to wherever you're going and understand that we as humans are not perfect no one is but the higher you set your standards the better just don't always expect everyone else's standards to be that at that same level but and learn to forgive yourself along the way um my dad always had pretty high expectations of us boys growing up and i learned to have a pretty high standard of myself but also learn to forgive yourself you know and, and just be kind to yourself and understanding enough to listen to yourself back off when you need to take a rest don't let other people's thoughts and opinions dictate what you know is right internally yeah heck yeah that's really good stuff there for sure for anybody not just somebody in the western way of life that applies to everybody as a human being and i think that's life i think people can lose grasp of that sometimes with all the stuff that goes on in our country you know whether you think it's good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't really matter. You know, people should definitely take a step back and evaluate what they're doing and are they doing their best day in, day out. I think that's really powerful stuff there. Yeah. And when we're all focused at just giving it our best and not too worried about the mistakes, but just getting up every day and knowing, okay, there's a lot of shit I'm going to have to sift through here and just taking it one step at a time and giving that your best every day. Uh, like we used to say in border riding, or my dad always used to tell me, and I've always told other guys, just take it jump for jump, one jump at a time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, man. So you're obviously a really talented guy. So what made you really want to dip your toe into the fantasy sports realm of things? What was the driving force behind that or the motivation? So um, after breaking my neck six years ago, I went into modeling and PBR was a, a partners with a company that was a big modeling agency. And I didn't have a lot of options in life at that point and they offered it and I took it and went in there not knowing shit about it. But that was the next bull, big, scary bull looking me between the eyes and big horns and brindles, snot slinging mean some bitch <laughs> that was my next next challenge in life and i took it on looking at it like that and was willing to learn like i was talking about earlier and just do whatever it took to succeed i knew that wasn't my final destination in life that was just uh, the next step the next jump i can't say that without saying i really went through some deep dark times after breaking my neck, really feeling lost in life and not knowing at all what the next jump looked like and just wasn't sure I even wanted to be around, you know, like I had a, a really hard time with life there for a minute and um, went through a lot of, a lot of pain with my neck growing back to my body, you know, I'm still, still deal with it. I've got a metal cage here and a metal plate here and, um, James understands, you know, with his condition with uh, cerebral palsy. Is that right, James? It's a battle every day, man. But, you know, whenever they whenever they tell you you can't do something, like the other day, you know, when I went to Little Rock the other day, I had to go for a checkup because I had to have hip replacement. And it turns out, according to the doctor that I've seen with cerebral palsy, he only works on kids because there's like maybe four 
cerebral palsy adult doctors in the world, and I don't know why that is, but he wow. told me he told me he said you're one of the most high functioning cerebral palsy patients I've ever seen. Then he sets me on the table and says, you know, if you were born 34 years ago, you wouldn't be here today. I laughed at him and said, sir, I'm 36. His jaw hit the floor. I just smiled. He said, I said, uh, you think uh, I was in, you know, I'm high functioning now. You should have seen me before my hip replacement. And basically the doctor that did my hip, I would recommend to anybody in the world. He did yeah. everything everything right, but I guess it threw off my body mechanics, and that's what's causing all the issues and while we're doing the stem cell treatments and all that. But anyway, if I was a little kid or something and letting that stuff get into my head, I would not have accomplished near as much stuff as I have. And back to your point of winning is between your ears and you got to let the naysayers go or use it as fuel. So... That was basically the point that I was trying to make. But here in a minute, we're going to get into rank ride. But I do have one more question because a lot of people know you you were on Dancing with the Stars. And Ty Murray even said after he did it that if he were still competing, that he would recommend ballroom dancing as far as getting in shape for it. Is that something that you would actually look into and recommend for other guys, whether they're on dancing with the stars or just doing it to train a hundred percent i definitely believe that my balance and my overall agility and coordination got so much better than it even was before when i was a bull rider my body's not as durable as it used to be but those mechanics and functions got better whereas even just three or four months before that I was just barely able to run and walk again and get around well after seven months after I broke my neck because I went from completely locked up and paralyzed below the neck to able to walk, able to hold my fork again, able to climb stairs and walk the ICU floor to climbing stairs. And then they sent me home and I mean, I couldn't really even bathe or shower myself for a long time, but thankfully I had a girlfriend at the time who was an angel to help during that time of my life. Beyond that, though, you know, it, it wasn't long after that. It was only a year after that that I did the dance show, so it kind of was a long ways in a short time, and I attribute a lot of that to yoga, hot therapies like steam room and stretching, tai chi, and a lot of that went into, you know, massage therapy too, and being able to like have deep tissue work done that can really move a lot of those knots around. Absolutely. Help, help get loosened up. I know all about that stuff, believe me. Yeah. So it was a long road, you know, but I put it, I was really determined to get better and just to function again. And then the, the modeling contract was offered after that. And that really motivated me so that I could travel and go be able to walk and, you know, feel comfortable and traveling off by myself, you know, from there started to grow confidence in, in myself again, but really was a long, dark road. I still felt so lost in life, went through that and the dancing with the stars thing. And, and then really lost my identity along the way of like not knowing 
who I was as a person anymore. Totally felt alienated and isolated with my friends, even just the bull riding industry. Still feel that way sometimes just because I'm not one of the guys back there hanging my rope, you know. And when I go and I'm around it, you know, there definitely seems to be a little different vibe. And and that's hard. That's been the hardest thing, I think, to, to swallow and almost knowing like, okay, I can fully function again, but yet my body's not good to go get slammed against the ground. It's a hard thing to understand, you know, and make that decision for yourself. But I know for a fact, the way I get up feeling every morning with the chronic pain I have, I don't want to do it first. Heck yeah. It looks like Slade Long just jumped on. Oh, there's Slade. Yes. Mr. Slade Long. What's up? Hey, can you hear me? Oh yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. We got you. Thanks for thank Thank you for joining joining us. So since we have both of you guys here, you guys are a big part of why rank rides a thing now. What was really the motivation as far as wanting to get into the, the fantasy sports realm of things? It's gotten really popular with a lot of other sports, but what made you really think it would work with bull riding specifically? So I had a brand builder uh, come to me, you know, after some of the modeling and stuff what led us to that conversation. I wanted to sort of direct some of that well, really, at that time, I put all of my career earnings, bull riding and modeling and all the other stuff directly out of my own pocket into this to get it started. And then a small group of friends and family, uh, shout out to Chase Outlaw, some other guys that I'm good friends with, Bren Roy, uh, my mom and dad, my grandparents, Jerry Davis, our biggest investor, awesome group of people and developers came together, such as Slade Long and uh some of our other team members, Lori Burt Hornback, Jim Deerman, Michelle Sly, uh, she helped found Ride TV. Our idea for this was simply based on the fact that there's nothing like it out there in the market. We see it working in all the other sports. It creates such a great community among you and your friends to be able to interact and kind of compete against each other and get that living room beef going with your <laughs> whoever your friends are something to get excited and spill, spill your beer over if you win you know some money and awesome giveaways so we felt like it was just a great way for fans to get connected to the sport and each other and uh everybody just to have more fun with what's already fun. heck yeah speaking of that stuff i can attest james gives me a hard time if i do not perform over a weekend big time tells me i need to get better so <laughs> I definitely agree with you there. And Slade, you oh. had a, you've had a lot to do with it as well. As far as you, for people that don't know Slade, you came up with Pro Bull Stats. So it kind of all ties together in a way. Yeah. Uh, you got to be able to get data in and out from somewhere. And I have a lot of it. So No, that's and a, that's, that's what's great about it. Slade. Slade came on, on board right away and uh, has been one of the most key factors of what we do, he's all the data and analytics side of it. And uh, Slade's had a, a platform called Pro Bull Stats. Well, yeah, what made you want to start start that, Slade? Uh, it was kind of a uh, kind of a fluke. I, uh, Brian McDonald uh, asked around for somebody that knew how to put stuff onto a website, and I emailed him and told him that I did, even though I didn't but it didn't take me long to figure it out. So that was 20 some years ago, 22 years ago. And basically just keeping records of every ride, every bull at any pro competition out there that's public basically, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, anything I can get my hands on. Everything I've done to the platform since then has been labor-saving device. So otherwise, I would be sitting there all day typing in scores if I was still doing it the way I started. Yeah, and us as a sport have really come a long ways because of what you do. And we see that becoming more and more important with other sports. And now we're moving into this whole team series thing with PBR where records and stats have never become more important for team draft picks and you know who's yeah that's gonna be interesting that's gonna be interesting thing when the teams come around because sometimes the bull riders themselves have a hard time picking what would be the best bull for them to me when they're allowed to pick uh if i could pick for all of them i've seen a lot of cases where i would have picked a different bull that just Um, happened this last weekend me and james said that about Derek colbaba he picked uh that listing bull pages like fifth out in the the short round. He's almost always pick eleven or twelve. So I we agree with you on that. They don't right. maybe always pick the one that fits in the best. But then there's something to say about a guy's mindset. So I'm gonna go be the first one to stomp this bad cat. So I guess I can't fault it too much. I kind of wonder why they picked that bull so low. Uh, I noticed that too that they were picking him near dead last, but uh, but they rode him a couple of times uh, last year in the fall, I think, and he looked pretty nice. So I didn't know if he got better. I haven't seen him lately, so I haven't seen him bug. So he may, he might have got better or harder. What's his name? Liston. Liston is he the Brendel? He's a no, big he's black bull. Yeah, Six big feet. scary looking black thing that the page has been hauling around, and he. He means business when you put your rope on him. Yeah. I didn't get to catch it last week. I didn't. Sage Kimsey got on him at the American semifinals or qualifier deal they have in Fort Worth, whatever they yes, call that. Yes, I remember it now. Yep. And he made Sage look like a rookie. And by no means is Sage Kimsey a rookie just because he doesn't ride in the PBR. Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, I feel like we've got to we've got to definitely amp up the bull side of it for the industry, and we're pretty excited about what we're doing for ABVI in the space with fantasy, and I think that's going to grow more and more popular. Uh, people can look forward to a live Calcutta feature on there to bid live back and forth between each other when the new site drops in July. So we're pretty excited about that. We're really just looking forward to creating an alternative Western, you know, kind of social atmosphere for people and um, just look forward to more of that in this new new rollout. That's really cool. And I'm glad it exists again. There's been other formats, as you found out through me, and that's uh, been mighty good to me over the years, to say the least. Yeah. I just got to know, Slade, and by asking you this question, I promise you I'm not picking on you or trying to downgrade you or any anything like that. I just – sometimes I don't understand why you have certain bulls and certain tiers and certain guys and certain tiers and kind of just scratching my head going, why is this guy here? Why is that guy not here? That, but, of course, that's just a guy's opinion, but I'm sure I'm not the only one to think that or say that. So I was just kind of curious as to what the criteria is to make you say, okay, this week so-and-so is going in this tier and this bull is going in that tier and so on and so forth. He is pecking on you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so, a little. So the reason for that is uh, the the bulls that are 
the bulls are all compared to the other bulls. So it's a relative thing. So if you, you could have a bull that's a tier one and then next week you put him with a stronger pin and he might be a tier two or three. And on the writer's side, it's heavily weighted towards uh, what they've done lately. So Jess Lockwood, I believe, would be a tier three right now because he's been on a slump for a while. Yeah. So that, that has a lot to do with it on the writer side. He's going to turn it around, though, any day now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Jess Lockwood yeah. fan. I know, that, I know the boy's got it in him. And uh, coming back off of, like, a, a hamstring injury like he's had is not a – I know from tearing muscles it took me a couple, two or three years to really get right again with my riding arm after tearing my bicep off the bone. And I'm sure your hamstring or your – he tore his Achilles – Healed, didn't he? It was exactly. his hamstring, and then he came back, and they figured out that his pelvis was broke. I've been getting yanked on so hard when he tore his hamstring. Yeah. And yeah, that stuff just takes so long to heal, and he probably is still really sore every time, I'm sure. Not to make yeah. excuses for anybody, but just knowing from riding myself, it's also that shit takes time. It also isn't just the injury, right? So if a guy spends a good bit of time away with an injury, just not getting on those kind of bulls every day, it takes a little while to get back up to speed. I don't think a guy could come back from uh, several months off and not be a little rusty. Everybody's going to be. It's hard. To, it okay. takes you a few to get back get back up to the right. I mean, there's a, these are really tough bulls, world class, you know. Man, what a good time it was visiting with Bonner. I did not know Slade was going to join in on us, but heck, man, that was really good to get Slade's input too. He's the guy that really has a lot to do with the numbers you see and the tiers you see within the rank ride system. So that was really good to have both those guys on. I know you had a blast, James. We didn't want to keep him too long. We'll definitely have to get him on again down the road sometime. Yeah, definitely. And it was just good to to catch up with with Bonner because anytime you can get a CEO of a company of any kind to take time out of their day to be with you on a podcast or whatever, it, it just means a lot. So thanks to him and Slade both. And uh, I think that should just about wrap it up. Huh, Coop? Yeah. Do you got anything you want to say before we get out of here, James? Oh, absolutely. I just wanted to say that my thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Texas that are dealing with these fires. And uh, we've got some little fans that I'd like to say hello to that love the love the podcast. Hello, Bella. Hello, Zeb. And uh, also, uh, just always remember that every day is a gift from God. Whatever you do with it is your gift back to Him. God bless. Coop, floor is yours, buddy. Absolutely back at you, man. And yeah, like James said, there's been some fires going on down there in Texas. So keep all those people in your thoughts and prayers for sure. Those natural disasters, they can definitely affect a person's life in a super negative way. So let's keep them in our thoughts and prayers. And other than that, you can find more about Rank Ride at www.rankridefantasy.com, at Rank Ride Fantasy on Instagram, Rank Ride on Facebook. And Rank Ride TV on YouTube. You can find more about us at From the Backpens on Instagram, From the Backpens on Facebook, From the Backpens on YouTube. And my email is Cooper, C O O P E R, from the backpens at gmail.com. But I think that'll wrap it up. So until next time, guys, have a good one and come back and visit us again from the backpens. Mm-hmm.